Good morning. That's okay. It wasn't great. Let's try it one more time. Good morning. I mean, we can stay here till 2 if we have to. We know how to lock the doors and all that stuff. So it is great to see you today. You notice I have some different shoes on today? I got my running shoes on. Believe I wore these in the first service, and they thought I was trying to make it a blended service. It went bad quickly. A suit with running shoes on it does not, not my style. I'll just put it that way. But how many of you have or have had a pair of running shoes? I call these my walk fast on the treadmill shoes, and they're not really running shoes. You know, if you were to get online today, you could find all kinds of running shoes, spikes for sprinters. You could find uh, running shoes, walking shoes. We, we understand that genre of uh, clothesline, of, of running shoes. I want to ask you this morning, not whether you go out and run in the neighborhood, but this morning, are any of you running from God? Are you running from God? We're in the book of Jonah, and we're going to begin with that thought today. We're in our series, Setbacks and Comebacks. And to have a setback-comeback series, you almost have to have Jonah. He's got to be a part of it because of his story. Because this is a guy that put his running shoes on when God called out to him, and he ran, and he ran hard, hard from God. We're going to be in the book of Jonah. If you don't have your Bibles, the Scripture will be on the screens. We're going to look at a lot of different verses this morning, or or basically chapters 1, 2, and 3. In verse 1 and 2, here's Jonah putting on his running shoes, or when God calls out to him, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get ready, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. Now, I'm going to read just the very first part of verse 3, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. Is that not ironic? Who is Jonah? Jonah was a prophet, uh, an Israeli prophet, a Jewish prophet, about 800 to 750 B.C. before Christ. He was a contemporary of the prophet Isaiah and Amos and some of those guys. That'll help give you a little bit of context. He is from a little town called Gath-Hofer, which is about two miles north of Nazareth. Who grew up in Nazareth? Jesus, which kind of central guy to our church and our, what we do as a church, Jesus. So that's where he grew up. And God's telling him, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh is the capital of Assyria at this time. Now, it, it's kind of cool. We're going to show you on a map in a moment. Nineveh is across the Tigris River from where modern-day Mosul is in Iraq. It's about 550 miles north west or northeast of where he is. And so God tells him, I want you to go there, and I want you to preach to these people. They're violent, wicked, mean, vicious people. I want you to go there, and I want you to proclaim the word of God to him. God had a message for Jonah, and God has a message for you. He really does this morning. Some of you, it's not a message necessarily that the music or the sermons brought to you. God's been dealing with your heart for some time now. You need to give your life to Christ. That's that tick, tick, tick on your heart is God saying, you don't belong to me, but I desperately want you to. Some of you, he's saying, I want you to come back to me. You need to come back to me. You've been away from me for two months or, or, or two years. Some of you have been away from God for two decades, and it's time to come back. Maybe there's something God's telling you you need to do, and you know it. You know it, you're just turning down the volume when God starts speaking. Maybe it's something you're supposed to stop or start doing. And God's speaking to you. And the truth is, if you're being honest, you've been running from him. 
I want to give you two thoughts on running from God that I think are very important. Number one, you can run, but you cannot hide. You want to run from God? That's fine. You can. God gives us the freedom to do that. But look in verse 3 of chapter 2, excuse me, of chapter 1. It says, but Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. How many of you think you can get away from God? Say you can't. Okay. Maybe you can. No one else in the history of the world has been able to get away from God. To get away from the Lord, he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket, and he went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, I want to tell you, Tarshish, where Joppa, is modern-day Tel Aviv. And so he goes there, and he gets on his ship in the Mediterranean Sea there. God had told him, we're going to look at a map. I want you to go 550 miles northeast. If looking at the map here today, there is Tel Aviv right there. There's Mosul right there. So it's 550 miles. It's not an easy walk. It's going to be tough. 550 miles northeast. Now look at where Jonah decides to go. Here is, if I can find it, here is Israel over here, and here is Spain. We believe it's over here in Spain. He's going somewhere a little bit northwest, uh, west, 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. It's literally like God telling you to go to Atlanta, which is about 500 miles away, east of here, and you decide that you're going to go to Seattle, which is about 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. How many of you see a problem? God, he called him to this, and he's going in the opposite direction. Why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? Well, he, he hated the Assyrians, and the Assyrians hated the Jewish people. Jonah's a prophet in the northern part of the Jewish area. The kingdom, Jewish countries were divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. And the Assyrians may have been, even at this time, been attacking his own people. And they were brutal. Man, these were brutal, brutal, brutal people. They, their warfare was unusual. When they went to war, they took their family. It was like a family outing, and they just traveled. And when they came to villages or cities, man, they tore them up. They raped and pillaged. They burned cities. They burned people alive. They, in, in some instances, we have recorded, they skinned the leaders of the cities alive and put their hides on the wall of the city wall. They would cut thumbs off, toes off, blind people. They were brutal people. And Jonah knew this. How many of you would be excited about going to them and tell them they better get right or they're going to burn in hell? I would rather send Josh to do that. And Jonah hated them. Part of it, I mean, honestly, it's just racist. It's prejudice. This is a, a Jewish Arab thing that goes back to Abraham and, and way back in Genesis. It's just racism and prejudice. Why are you, why are you running from God today? Okay, God asking you to do something that's going to be hard, embarrassing, tough, difficult. Well, absolutely. God rarely asks us to do something that's just simple, easy, and makes a lot of sense to us. But I, I just want to throw this at you. You can run from God, but you cannot hide. You're not going to get away from God. Jonah put his sprinter spikes on to get away from God, and he didn't get away from God. And you and I aren't either. Look in verse 4 and 5. Verse 4 and 5, this story begins to ratchet up. The Lord hurled a powerful wind. you get that? Who created the wind and the sea there? The Lord did causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods, 
for they, they needed help. They began to try to lighten the ship, and Jonah is asleep down below. You know, the thing is, too, that's scary you can run from God, you can be away from God, especially the farther you get, and you get comfortable in it. I mean, you, you can critique and criticize, and you have opinions and how everybody else should do it better and do it different, but the sensitivity of your heart begins to really get cold. That's what had already happened to Jonah. But I just want to tell you again, you can run from God. I can run from God, but we can't hide. But here's a part of this that is really serious. You endanger others and yourself when you run from God. Some of you really are. You have a good heart. And you, you would never, you go, okay, well, I'm going to endanger myself running from God. Okay, I understand that. I don't want bad things to happen, but I understand that. But when you up the ante, that when you and I decide to go contrary to God, it affects our kids. It affects your grandkids. It, well, I don't have grandkids. It affects your grandkids that are, are to come. It affects your husband. It affects your wife. It, it affects where the, the people around you. I'm not going to read it all, but here's basically what happened in the rest of this chapter, at least a, a large part of it. The sailors know they're about to die. They get Jonah up, and they say, man, pray to God. Figure out what is going on. We need help. And Jonah basically comes clean and says, this is my fault. This is my fault. And the sailors apparently are, are not bad guys. And, in fact, I believe they get saved at the end of this chapter. They're trying to figure out any, any way to, to remedy the problem. The only remedy is going to be to pick up Jonah and cast him into the sea, which that can't be a good thing. Look in verse 14 through 17. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, O Lord, they plead, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. The sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Would you be a believer if you're one of those sailors at that point? My goodness. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. But in verse 17, now the Lord arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Man, you running? You run, you can't hide. When we play games with God, when we sit in sin, when we don't repent, when we don't get things right, you certainly endanger yourself, but you endanger those around you too, a lot of times who are innocent. That's serious. Here's a second thought, and this is where the story, I think, begins to turn. God is trying to get your attention. And if you're taking notes, you might even write this, God will try to get my attention. When you and I begin to stray away from God, God loves you enough that he's going to come after you. God is going to try to get your attention. In verse 17 of chapter 1, one of the more famous verses in the Bible, now the Lord had arranged, God put this fish at the right spot at the right time for a great fish. Now, it doesn't say well, a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Well, let's talk just a minute about the, the Jonah and the whale or Jonah and the fish. I saw a picture, I think it had to be photoshopped a couple of weeks back, of a guy and a catfish. Let's see that picture, Jamie. Can you see that? Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Steve Lee, raise your hand. Steve Lee, raise your hand. Steve Lee, right there. Steve is a great fisherman, and he, he really is a great fisherman. I hate to say that in front of everybody, I think his head big. And... But Steve posts a lot of pictures catching fish, and so I sent him this. 
And I said, Steve, I'm not a prophet. I'm not one who can predict the future, but that may be how your life ends. You know, the revenge of the giant catfish, they find Steve's feet sticking out or whatever a couple of days later. He sends me back a really short text, which is really good. He said, you got that right. And I thought he was going to say, that's probably how I'll end. He goes, you got that right. You're not a prophet. <laughs> but what about Jonah and the fish, Jonah and the well? I believe this literally happened. I believe it literally happened. Jesus believed it happened. In Matthew 12, verse 40, listen to what Jesus said. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. I want to share with you a story. It happened in 1891 off the Falkland Islands. That's down near Argentina, way South America. A whaling ship was out at sea, and they spotted, their lookout spotted a whale. So they put dumb sailors in small boats to go chase the whale. Now, if you're in a 120 years ago, you're in a 130 years ago, you're in a wooden boat, probably smaller than the whale. That's dangerous to begin with. You don't have a motor, by the way, right? And then you get in small boats to go chase the whale, right? How many of you would rather be the cook at that point on the ship? So they go out, and they, they, they catch the, get up to the whale, and they begin to harpoon him, and he flips one of the boats over. And one of the sailors drowns. They, they see that he dies. The other, a guy named James Bartley, disappears. Well, they kill the whale, and of course, this is a long, long process. They are able to get the whale back to the ship, and they hoist it out of the water, and they begin to do whatever they do to get the oil and the blubber and all that th stuff. And it takes, I mean, it's a 24-hour process. It's long. So about a day later, they get to the stomach, and they hoist the stomach up on the deck of the boat. And there's movement in the stomach. There's not a lot of possums out at the ocean, so they figure it's not a possum or an armadillo. They cut it open, and lo and behold, you know who it is? It's James Bartley, their fellow sailor. They throw water on him, and he is still alive. His, his face and his hands and his neck were bleached white. He was a raving lunatic. Do you blame him? They took him, and they put him in the captain's quarters for two or three weeks, nursed him back to health. They said he finally got well, and he was able, after a month, to even go back to work. Here's what he said. He said, inside of the, when, when I realized where I, I was, I, I, I passed out from shock. But I had plenty of oxygen. He said, I fear I would have starved to death inside of the well. But that's how I probably would have eventually died. Man, that is, that is pretty scary. What kind of fish could it have been, fish or whale, in the Jonah store? Well, it could have been a whale shark. That's one option. Or a sulfur bottom whale, which is the blue whale. And here's why these are good options. They didn't have teeth. It's kind of like your great-grandmama. They don't have teeth. And here's how they feed. They feed kind of like you do at a buffet. They just open their mouth and just walk straight down it. So you wonder when you're here on Animal Planet, they find some whale with a license plate in his stomach. If that's how you eat, you're going to get license plates in your stomach occasionally. So these, these are possibilities, and plus these are huge animals, or fish, and they have four to six stomach compartments. So I believe it literally happened. But let's get to this. Why did it happen? God was trying to get Jonah's attention. God was trying to get Jonah's attention. He was trying to get him to quit running from him and to look to him. 
C.S. Lewis has a great quote. He was an English writer, a Christian man. Pain can be, and if you're writing that down, I would, I would put parentheses on can be because it's not always, but pain can be God's megaphone to try to rouse us from our spiritual deafness and apathy. You see, sometimes God, is, God has got his finger on you. The storms are raging. You, you feel like you're in a whale or a fish. And what it is, it's God who loves you so much. God is trying to wake you up and get your attention. Now, listen, this is real important. What if Jonah would have repented on his way to the ship? He could have avoided all that. What if Jonah would have repented on the ship? He could have avoided all that. And what I want to challenge you today is, is man, let, if God's trying to get your attention, let him get it. We'll talk about that more in a second. Don't let God, listen, the farther you go and the deeper you go away from God, the more he's going to press. God's going to do what he has to do to try to get your attention because he loves you. Here's the third thing, respond properly. Respond properly. God's trying to get your attention. The best thing you and I can do is respond properly. Give him your attention, number one. Give him your attention. I, I love verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, then, while he's in the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. How many of you agree your prayer life would get better if you woke up in the morning inside of a giant catfish? Would you be praying? Man, you'd be, you'd be writing tithe checks in that well, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd do anything. God wanted to get Jonah's attention, and inside of the fish, God got Jonah's attention. Give God your attention. Most of us aren't doing that, especially when you run from God. You, you don't want to hear what God has to say. I read this week, it was a, a marriage counseling article, Les and Leslie Parrott, professional counselors, and they talked about what couples need. This is really good advice. Couples need, if not daily, every other day, two, three, four times a week, cleanup time is what they called it, where you sit down with your spouse, even if it's 15 minutes, and say, hey, what do I need to do different for you? What do you need to do different for me? How can I make something right that I've, where I've hurt you? How can you make something right? You need time, they were saying, to give your spouse attention. Man, we need that with God. Cut your phone off. Put your iPad down. Turn the computer off. You, you don't have to have the TV on 24-7. Psalms 46.10 may be why we're missing. Look what it says. Be still and know that I am God. My guess is inside the fish, Jonah was still enough to hear God. Give God your attention. Number two, repent. If there's one theme with all these comeback stories that's just crucial for you and for me is you have to repent. You, you have to be willing to do life differently. I'm not going to read it all just, just for time's sake. But in chapter 2, basically Jonah has a come-to-Jesus meeting. And he, he says some funny stuff like, hey, i got seaweed wrapped around my head. You know, my breath smells like crabs. He didn't really say that. I'm paraphrasing it. You know, here I am in the belly of a fish, and I'm looking at his lungs. This is horrible. This is terrible. I can't get out of here. Hey, God, you got my attention, and I am, I am turning from the wrong way, and I'm headed back the right way. Now, there's a crucial two verses in chapter 1 that are not repentance. 
In chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, listen to what Jonah said. This is in the middle of the trauma at sea. Jonah answered the, the ship captain, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from God. Folks, recognizing what your situation is is step number one, but if, you, if that's the only place you get to, that accomplishes nothing. See, you, the, Jonah, Jonah is going to end up in the middle of a fish, not because he didn't know he was doing wrong, because he wouldn't do anything about it. If you go to the doctor and they, they do an MRI or whatever, and they go, hey, yeah, you got a tumor. It's, it's pretty big. Come back next year for your physical, and if you're still alive, we'll talk about it then. No, you go to another doctor because you want that doctor to not only diagnose you, but come up with a remedy. It's not enough just to say to God or to other people, hey, I'm away from God. I'm not where I should be. That's a starting point. But then you've got to decide to turn and go a different direction. That's what happened to Jonah's heart. If you're taking notes, man, the, the New Testament word repentance and the Hebrew word Old Testament is very similar. It literally means a change of mind about something, which leads to a change of belief and behavior. See, here's where many of us are stuck. We just, we're going in the wrong direction mentally. Repentance is, I got a change of mind and a belief. Hey, this is wrong. This is not going to get me where I need to be. And so I, I change behavior. I turn around. Remember, repentance is a 180. It's headed this way, and you turn around, and you go this way. Most of us repent by doing a 360. You know what a 360 is? Here, we're in sin. We, we turn from it, and then we do what? We go right back to it. Now, you're not going to be perfect this side of heaven, but repentance is making a decision. With the help of God, things are going to be different. You've got to repent. And here's the third part of this. You have to be willing to follow God completely. Now, you can't play God, games with God here. You can't make promises you're not going to live out. In chapter 2, verse 9, listen to what Jonah says. But I, God, I will offer you sacrifices with songs of praise. Listen, I will fulfill my vows. I'm going to do, God, what I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to do for my salvation comes from the Lord. Listen, when, Jonah, when God had Jonah's attention, he gave it to him. He repented, and he said, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it. You know what God wants to hear from you this morning? More than anything else, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. That's what he wants to hear. That's, that's when you and I are responding properly to God. And the great thing is, man, when we do that, we can have a tremendous comeback. We can have a tremendous, tremendous comeback. In, in chapter 2, verse 10, this needs to be a memory verse at some point. The Lord ordered the fish to spit out Jonah on the beach. How many of you wish this summer when you were at Gulf Shores or at Destin that a whale would have come up close to the beach? Wouldn't that have been cool? Thank you. Okay, maybe not cool. How many of you would have got your phones and ran out there? What if the whale started making like gurgling noises and it lets out this horrible belch and a preacher flops out? with bleached face and bleached hands. That would be on every social media ever, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be the greatest highlight ever? What did Jonah smell like? Three days in a whale and whale vomit. Jonah, what is that cologne? Well, it's whale vomit by Ralph Lauren. I mean, 
But you know what? Landing on that beach and getting out of that well was the beginning of a new beginning for him. In chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, listen to what it says. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah. Listen, I love this, a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. Wow. I want to tell you this morning, man, God's not done with you yet. God's not finished with you yet. God's not thrown you overboard. Elmer Towns, Dr. Elmer Towns is a professor at Liberty University, or at least he was for years, a preacher, and author. Listen to what he said. He said, the whole Bible is about God giving people comebacks. The whole Bible is about God putting people back in ministry who had failed and they dropped the ball. I want to tell you this morning, man, God's not done with you. God wants to give you a comeback. In verse 3 and 4, listen to what they say. Then Jonah obeyed the Lord. Remember, he followed through. He went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. And Jonah entered the city. Listen to his wonderful positive message. He shouted to the crowds, 40 days, and now Nineveh will be destroyed. Wouldn't that be fun to have to preach that? To people who hate you, who hate your people, and have you, you have every reason to believe they're going to skin you alive literally for what you're doing. He had to walk probably about 30 days to get there. Nineveh, it says it's four times in the book, a great city. It was a powerful city. The population of the city itself was about 120,000. Jerusalem was about 30,000, so it was a big city. The metro area may have had another 200,000 around it. A lot of scholars don't think that he just walked the outside of it, but probably zigzag in, which would make more sense, in and out of the city where he could scream this message. But what an awesome thing. What, a, what an awesome thing for you to know, like Jonah, that God's trying to whisper in your ear today, I want to give you that second chance. I want to give you that tenth chance. I want to give you that fiftieth chance today. And that's not even the end of the story. It, it will amaze you what God can do through you. Not only does God want to give you another opportunity, it's amazing what God can do through you. This story, it's just such a beautiful story. In verse, verses 5 through 10, listen to what happens. Jonah starts preaching this horrible message of truth. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. From the greatest to the least, they declared a fast, put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robe. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on heaps of ash. Then the king and his nobles sent this degree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. How do you get the garment of mourning on a cow? I guess you did. And everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger. And look what happened in verse 10. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction. A month or two earlier, Jonah's inside of the fish. And then he's preaching what turns out to be maybe the greatest, we call it a revival. It's really an awakening of people who didn't know God. The whole city gets saved. The whole city comes to God. The whole city turns to God from the king on down. This reluctant, 
rebellious prophet, God used him to change an empire, much less just a city. I want to tell you, if you will let God have you or have you again, and you will come back to God, and you really want God to use you, God will do things in your life that you cannot imagine. Someone said in chapter 1, he was running from God. Chapter 2, running to God. And chapter 3, running with God. I want to challenge you this morning. Stop running from God. Start running to God. And then run with God. And if you and I will do that, not only is a comeback possible, but it will amaze you what God can do through you. If we'll let him. The question is, will we? Let's pray. This morning, if you are a Christian, I pray that you will do whatever it is you need to do to get right with God. If you're not a Christ follower this morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, you're unsure of that, but you're ready, pray with me. and Just say, Jesus, I am a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I accept your God's Son and that you died for me and arose for me. Come into my heart, and I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a moment, and when we do, I want to challenge you to respond to Christ. Maybe you just asked Jesus to come in your life, or you're ready to do that. When we stand, come today and give your life to Christ. You say, well, it'd be hard for me to walk an aisle. I'll meet you at this door after church. One of our ministers will. Give your life to Christ before you leave here. Maybe you're looking for a church home. We would love to be your church home if God's leading you here. We are a church that absolutely believes in comebacks. Join us today. You can come and do that when we sing, or you can do that after church. Many of us are Christ followers, and some of us are running from God. I want to challenge you where you're standing or at the altar on your knees or praying with a minister this morning. Quit running from God. And run back to God. Let him reignite your life like he wants to. Let's stand.